Welcome to episode 52 of Your Personal Podcast. For those who want more out of life, and please do rate, review and subscribe to Your Personal Podcast. I'm Martin Hazy. I'm an entrepreneur, educator, CEO and a former Lord Mayor. As always, I'm here with Mim Romeo. Mim is a corporate retailer, business coach and mentor and an executive advisor. Mim, so good to see you back in the Your Personal Podcast sound booth. And welcome to you, Martin. You've just got back from your overseas trip. So it's great to see you back into the studio, and we'd like to always thank our listeners throughout the globe, particularly that we're in 2024. It's been nearly 12 months. Today is episode 52. A milestone soon to be achieved, man. Absolutely. But our our podcast would be nothing without our listeners. So please, thank you for listening. And keep listening throughout 2024. Well, our listenership is growing and it'll be nothing without the Romeo family. Absolutely. How many countries are we in? 45 countries. And you know why? Because I got all my family to migrate to 45 different countries. (laughs) I said, we need to be in more countries. So to the family, I really appreciate you investing in relocating so we can help our podcast get to more of the globe. Well, I must say that's the definition of taking one for the team, isn't it? Well done to the Romeo family, wherever you may be. Good on you. You're all good constituents. Thank you very much. We greatly appreciate all the feedback. Well, I'm glad you're here. Thank you. It's always good to be here. Yes. So, Martin, episode 52 today, we've titled it Travel and Culture for a couple of reasons, but one main reason is that you've just recently got back from your overseas tour of six weeks. I have, yes. I go back I go back this week. What countries did you visit? I spent time in United Arab Emirates yes. in the city of Dubai. Where else? I spent time in Saudi Arabia in a city called Jeddah. And? I spent time in Spain, in Seville, in Madrid and Barcelona. Wow. I spent time in Portugal, in Lisbon and in Porto. And I spent time in Malaysia, in Kuala Lumpur. Sounds like a really busy holiday. But well, I'm sure you would have had a wonderful time because looking at you, it feels like you've just come come back from a beach holiday. You look healthy, vibrant and excited. Well, you're glamorising all of it because half of it, of course, was work. Oh, here we go. <laughs> just, be, just be good and say I enjoyed my holiday. I mean, you, work. Think, you think I was wearing my Hawaiian <laughs> shirts wherever I went. Look, now what I'd like you to share with our listeners, the very first place you went to was the Middle East. Correct. Now, you know, there has been some local, you know, media saying that there's been some uh, challenges over in the Middle East, particularly in Yemen. When you got to the Middle East, was there any sort of sign of of that uncertainty in the area? That's a good question. So my first port of call was Dubai. Yep. How far is Dubai from Yemen, by the way? A long way. What do you mean by long way? A oh, very long way. Middle an East. hour, two hours? Is it? Oh, it must be at least a two-hour flight. Okay. At least. Possibly more. But um, Yemen, uh, Yemen is further south. Okay. So uh, Yemen is located at what I would probably describe as the base of the Arabian Peninsula. Okay. Which is on the Red Sea uh, opposite Sudan. So, so in light of the current situation, when you landed there – because you, I think you mentioned to me, Martin, when you walked into the studio, that there was a hundred thousand delegates from worldwide going to this particular function or seminar you were going to. Correct. So UAE is uh, got two major cities, which I think many of our listeners would know of, which is of course Dubai and Abu Dhabi. Yeah. 
and they're both fairly kind of well-known international cities. But this conference, which was a United Nations Conference of Parties, otherwise known as a COP, COP28, was held in Dubai. Wow. These conferences are held every year, usually in a different city. Did you did you notice there was 100,000 delegates there? I mean, we go to different countries and because the populations are different, did you notice the difference in terms of events? Because you've been to a few. I have, Min, but I must say I did. Um, although the last... United Nations COP conference that I went to was back in 2015, which was in Paris. Okay. And many of our listeners would know about, you know, the Paris Accord and 1.5 degrees in terms of limiting global warming was decided upon by the world leaders in Paris back in 2015. I hadn't actually been to one since. So it's been, you know, a number of years between me visiting COP conferences and I was representing the government uh, of South Australia and but a hundred thousand, and I think in Paris there was something like forty thousand delegates. Wow, that's a now, certainly different. Eight years later, yeah. there's a hundred thousand people coming to these conferences, and I think that probably tells us something about the level of global interest yeah, in absolutely. what's happening around climate change and the growth of low emissions technologies and low emissions industries. And look, just one of the, one of the general interest. One of the reasons, Martin, we've we've decided to title this travel and culture, is because there's three things we'd like our listeners to be aware of. First, global awareness, what's happening globally, broadening our perspective and fostering self-discovery. You know, you and I both believe that travel brings so much more than just that holiday experience. It really helps us grow as an individual, helps us become aware of what's happening throughout the globe in a lot of positive perspectives, not just negative, but, you know, things that we might have thought are impossible to do in our own country we find are being done in other people's countries. So I find that travel is certainly uh, an educational uh, opportunity for everyone on this earth. I agree, Mim, and I would go as far as saying it's an investment. Yeah. So, And we don't often look at travel as being an investment, but I would argue that it's a really good personal investment. So I hadn't spent a lot of time in the Middle East. So I went in really with a very kind of open view did you have in the back of your mind martin when you went there to the middle east in fact of the the you know obviously some of the global things that are happening around the middle east were you a little bit let's say uh, uncertain what you'd find based yeah. on what's happening yeah i was um and and i really had no reason to be interestingly so i maybe a little bit of nervousness before i left okay but that was very quickly dispelled when I arrived. So I'll start with Dubai. Dubai is a a fairly large international city and this conference had 100,000 delegates, but the vast majority of people in Dubai are actually expats. So... And when you say expats, for our listeners that might not understand that, what are expats? Expatriates. So people who don't come from that country, who are either visiting that country as a tourist or more frequently working in that country as a foreign national. Okay. That's expats is the term which is kind of the shorthand term which describes that. There are hundreds of thousands of expats that actually live and work in Dubai. So as a result, you've got Americans, you've got French, you've got English, you've got Japanese, you've got just got okay. – it's a melting pot. It's a very, very international city, um, which I must say I really leaned into. And I was at this conference, which was just incredibly interesting, incredibly kind of important in terms of content. And 
we were involved in some pretty, you know, pivotal issues which are affecting our time in, you know, 2023, 2024 in terms of the, the whole global agenda. So that was a privilege, I must say, to be there. And it was an absolute – it took me out of my comfort zone, Mim. What is what are two things that you learned going to the Middle East that you didn't – that you weren't aware of before you travelled? The city I went to after Dubai was Jeddah. And Jeddah is in Saudi Arabia. Yep. And it's on the west coast of Saudi Arabia facing the Red Sea opposite Sudan and you've kind of got Egypt across the other side of the Red Sea a little bit further up. Um, And I had no idea what to expect. But I must say just the warm, hospitable people who really kind of went out of their way to teach me about a culture which is just thousands of years old. And I was just like a sponge and to listen and to learn and to, you know, oh, Martin, this building was built 800 years ago. Uh, this is the culture. Jeddah was a trading port, so it's always had a fairly international focus, and I mean over hundreds if not thousands of years. And you can see it. You can see it in the architecture. You can see it in the food. Uh, you can see it in the culture. Uh, you can actually even hear it in the language. And it was really fascinating And I could also see in terms of, you know, my brief observation of a country which has a very rich and long history, Saudi Arabia, is that you can see the old world and in the same breath you can see the new world. And what do you think in all that, Martin, what do you think you brought to them? What did you think that they, once they met Martin, what did you leave them? I hope I had all my dinner. <laughs> I hope I left. I hope I left everything on the plate. I was. I was a good guest. No, but sometimes we think that travel is only about us learning, but in the interaction, we also share our culture, our beliefs, our way of doing things. What is one or two things that you left them with that they thought, "Wow, we didn't think like that." That's a terrifically good question. I've been blessed in as far as I've travelled extensively over the years through China, North Asia, Southeast Asia, Europe, America um, and various places. So you kind of get this ability to compare and contrast and it does shape your own views of the world because you just take things in from different cultures all the time and it challenges you and you expand your own views and you you expand the way you think. What did I leave with my friends in Saudi maybe? Um, Don't tell me the laundry. No. <laughs> well, I must say, I did leave my, I, 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 I did leave a pair of jeans in the hotel room, and I wrote to the hotel wondering if they'd find them and send them back. But that's a whole other story, which I won't go to into a new episode fifty-two of your personal podcast. Getting back to the thing, what did you believe you left them? Um, the guys probably shared the Australian perspective. I'm, I'm a big advocate for. Uh, community and civic leadership and I'm a big advocate for governance. Yeah. So I met a number of kind of, you know, business leaders in Saudi and they're doing some incredible things. I'd encourage our listeners to look out online at Vision 2030 for Saudi Arabia, which actually articulates like this incredible list of the most ambitious infrastructure projects you really could imagine including the construction of an entirely new city, which is probably the most futuristic city 
you could imagine. It's called Neom, N-E-O-M, or The Line, 170 kilometres long. And it is just incredible in terms of its forward-thinking, futuristic approach. So I learned that from them. But what did I share? I was really sharing about kind of how maybe Australian business and Australian governments are very focused on governance, um, what leadership means in a context of... Because leadership means different things to different people, Mim. Uh, leadership also has a cultural type of context, if yep. you know what I mean. It's not like a standard approach which you can apply to each country. You've got to be really sensitive to the cultural nuances. So I was sharing the Australian perspective on leadership. Um, but, look, truth be told, I was, you know, I was there to learn, which means you're asking questions... Your ears are wide open, so to speak, because you're just soaking in all this information. And to learn about a culture which is just literally thousands of years old was actually quite humbling. That would be my takeout. Okay. That would be my takeout. It was Anything fun happened while you were over there? I knew you'd ask that. You, you just kind of you, you are the fun factory, aren't I don't you? Know. What, is, what you, sort of fun things did you do there? You are the your personal podcast. <laughs> Fun fact. While you're in the Middle East, did you bring some of that Australian humour in well, there? Well, I probably did, Mim. And I, 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 I'm going to share this story with our listeners with some sensitivity. Mim, I was standing in a 2,000-year-old mosque. Yes. And this gentleman who's very, very kind was sharing and showing us the mosque. Yes. And he basically said, would you like to see where the the Aman or the preacher will stand and deliver, you know, his um, regular service. And we said, oh, we'd love to, yeah. we'd love to. And we were there and we were standing in this area and you could kind of look over the rest of the mosque. And this building was just kind of so rich in history. And I pushed this button by mistake and I was saying to my friend, oh, wow, this is just so cool. This, I, this is what an incredible yeah. experience. What I had done is that I pushed the button which had turned on the loudspeakers across the entire grounds of the mosque. <laughs> so all of these people who were walking through this very old part of Jeddah all of a sudden could hear me going, how cool is this? <laughs> and the gentleman from the mosque came running back in saying, turn off the mic, turn off the <laughs> mic, turn off the mic. And we looked at each other very sheepishly yeah. and he pushed the button to turn it off. Yeah. We were actually not only being amplified across the grounds of the mosque, but I actually think we were being amplified across much of the old city. Wow. So um, that certainly that, would have been <laughs> certainly could have, could have been really embarrassing. Yes, yes, and I could probably still be there and probably uh, enjoying the hospitality yeah. of the uh, Saudi government <laughs> for all the wrong reasons. So I was very humble and very apologetic that's that I very had good. that I that's had done that by mistake. So um, that's one of my little travel faux pas, that's which I'll share with you, a, and I'll share with our listeners. Many years time, you probably look back and laugh, but I'm sure at the time it would have been. Very embarrassing for you, thinking that you had just turned on the city speaker and, and there's you. Gee, this is cool. That feels great. <laughs> in, in a very kind of informal Australian way, yeah. I was going, how cool is yeah. this? And, uh, of course, everybody was listening to it. But um, my friend and I did have a bit of a laugh right. after that. So from the Middle East, Martin, you, you stayed in the Middle East for a few weeks. Then you went across to Europe. I did. What countries did you visit in Europe? I flew from Jeddah into Madrid uh, and we – caught a train, basically. And the European train system, for our listeners who have travelled in Europe, is really good. What's um, this? You know, we talk just, about global awareness. So we talk efficient. about uh, broadening our perspectives. 
What are some of the things that you learn? Look, I've been to countries like England, France, Spain, Italy, Singapore, Switzerland, Fiji, New Zealand, Tasmania, Vanuatu. Tasmania? <laughs> it's across the ocean. I can't no, believe I mean. it. Oh, there you go. We've just lost our <laughs> listeners from Tasmania. Uh, please come back. Please come back, <laughs> listeners. Um, Tasmania but I've been to many countries and some of the things that, that really stand out to me is when you first enter the country, there's certain things that really stand out. Sometimes in their greeting, sometimes in how you, how you just feel in the country, you know, from their service perspective, from their infrastructure, from you know, train systems, boat systems, cab system. It just there's something about every country that stands out the minute you step foot in there, and yes. from a learning perspective, an educational perspective, it really does broaden our perspective. It really does start to foster some self discovery in terms of. Seeing things that we thought could never be achieved in some aspects. You know, you talked about the train systems in some countries. There's the bullet train in France that's just amazing. 320 yeah, kilometres an hour. Just amazing. Sits off off the rails. You know, see, we still talk about it in our country as if it's this far-fetched science fiction theory, but yet you go to a different country, it's actually there. Day-to-day travel. The tunnel from France to England. Correct. Built this tunnel underwater. Correct. All the way to England. Yep. You know, there's things that you, your mind starts to think, wow. You know, we, we struggled to, to, to repair a road, a freeway, and these guys are building tunnels under the ocean. So, Mim, I think we were travelling at about 280 kilometres an hour on the train wow. uh, between Spain and Portugal. But my impressions of Portugal and, you know, were – you're very right. Every – country every city has its own kind of vibe for want of a better word and to walk through a city where you can see absolute evidence yeah. of roman occupation 2000 years ago where you're walking across a roman bridge you're walking on a roman road you're looking at a roman aqueduct is that incredible sense of history and it's yeah. really it's you know in your travels in europe you would have seen it the heritage that's really clear from those countries, where they were, where they are, where they've been, where they want to go. But it gives everybody a different perspective it of does. time, doesn't it? It does. And, you know, one of the things I learned every time I travelled and came back is I try to bring it back to the country I live in. And I think, you know, every time I go to a different country, I notice things more. And I ask myself, when I'm in my own country, do I notice things? Yes, do I pay attention to subtle differences or do I become so complacent in my own country that I think we're not doing much but we're probably doing great things? But when you go to a different country, you tend to notice that heritage, that history, that, that bridge that's being built, that freeway, that new city. We tend to be able to absorb that so much easier. You're a little more wide-eyed, yeah. aren't you? For want of a better word, you're a little more wide-eyed when you are a tourist. That's right. Um, my wife has this saying, which she often uses, funnily enough, is live like you are a tourist, yeah, e- and even and in your own city. Such a great statement and because said, you what, learn. I said, what do you mean? And she said, you see new things. Yeah. You see things differently. Often when we live in an environment, we become almost oblivious yep. to the environment because we're looking at it all the time, aren't we? And we think nothing changes, nothing changes. But nothing there are changes. so many changes. And even when you look into different industries, 
you know, and you walk into different offices or talk to different people, there are some subtle differences that we might not recognize in our own country. But yet if we're in a different country, we pick up on it straight away. I will round out your question you asked me in terms of kind of what were my impressions when I arrived in Spain and Portugal. I'll talk briefly about the Portuguese. Yeah. Warm, engaging, humble people who really have a sense of kind of respect for their own history because for those of our listeners that have read about Portuguese history, some three or four hundred years ago, they really were an absolute global empire. Um, And they're very kind of cognizant of that in a positive way Um, and they're very cognizant of their kind of history and their own culture but they're everybody I found in Portugal speaks English and I asked why and they said there's actually a very strong connection between Portugal and England which dates back, you know, literally back to the Napoleonic era Um, which I I didn't know that until I arrived there. So that's... It's, it's interesting. Um, and I also found one of the great things that connects people, Mim, wherever you travel, yep. is food. Yep. Food, look, food, I've got to say, Martin, in every country I've been to, one of the, the major things that we all find in every country, we have to eat. We no, have to eat really? and we have to sleep. So what we find is we always talk about their food and their accommodation. And sometimes it's the connection that brings us all together. You know, the food particularly. We talk about the different uh, food types around the world. And when we're there, we tend to tell them what we have in our own country. And I think it's a great way to start to build relationships and to share. Share things that we might think are just simple recipes. But more so, we're engaging with different people. We are all human. And if we talk to each other in that respect we're going to get far more opportunities to be able to grow into a nation and a globe of unity than division because we start to respect each other from a human perspective, not from a nationality perspective, not from a where your country is based on the globe. But I found that we start to learn an ability to be able to appreciate people for who they are. I think that's a wonderful comment. I think those people-to-people ties are so critically important. I I remember, Mim, when I was younger, I kind of thought, I'm going to make travel a priority. And I took baby steps. You know, I I literally would start travelling to other Australian cities. Some people, Martin, in those small steps go from a suburb to a city. Some people I still know haven't left their suburb. And that's not because there's anything wrong with them. It's just that they've never probably felt comfortable going a little bit outside their comfort zone. So I encourage every person, every listener in the globe, start to take baby steps in terms of travel if you've never experienced it. Go from your suburb to your next suburb, suburb to the city, city to another state, another state to another country. You'll find that you will personally grow as an individual. Your competency, your skills, your knowledge, your expertise will just naturally grow and you will see things very different. You will as you start to educate yourself from a global awareness perspective, from broadening your own perspective, and from self-discovery, you find that you might have things within you that you've never imagined, but by travelling, it's just exposed you to a different way of thinking. We can educate ourselves formally through colleges, through trades, 
uh, through universities, yep. through schools. But I must say, Mim, I think one of the most enduring sources of education is travel. It is. It's, it is, you know, and I don't, I don't think anybody should think it's selfish in any way because you do hear this sometimes saying, oh, no, I can't travel because I have to look after this here and it'd be selfish if I left. My view is a little bit different is that, you know, life is an adventure and it's an adventure to be had. And if you really, really want to kind of optimise your experience to help others yes. of life, go out and see more of it. Go, it just, and, go and listen and learn about other cultures, other language. Particularly uh, today, Martin, uh, when we've got the technology at our fingertips, we, we are so engulfed in the globe at the moment, sort of engaged, um, intertwined, than we ever have been. You know, a lot of businesses, Martin, have online businesses that supply to everyone and every. You can order something from across the globe and have it on your doorstep within two days. You know, I would encourage everyone, if you are able to travel, whether it's within your own state, your own region, your own country, other countries, I encourage do it more because we have the opportunity not only to learn but also to share our learnings with others. And hopefully over time the world becomes, starts to unite more and we start to respect each other but value each other and we start to improve life and we start to get more out of life and enjoy life going forward. Mim, we live in a troubled world at the moment. We do. But if you look through the passages of history, we've often lived in a troubled world and I just wonder whether the best way to help solve this is to humanise global issues by witnessing them firsthand. And what I mean that is not injecting yourself into a conflict zone, but go somewhere where you're going to absorb, listen, learn and experience the culture to build those people-to-people ties to deepen global understanding between people and between communities and between families. Surely that's got to be one of the antidotes towards the kind of almost seemingly endless global conflicts which we seem to get ourselves into. I always believe, Martin, this, that if we could influence one person next to us, that person could influence a hundred. Those people could influence a thousand. I believe that sometimes we look at, at situations as insurmountable and I say, let's just see what we can do as an individual. Let's represent our principles, our values. If we're caring, if we want to see unity, if we want to see peaceful situations, if we want to see a future that's, that's better for everyone, then let's show that through our actions, our evidence, in our travels, displaying our, our principles of culture, of what we're aware, embracing other cultures, but understanding that ultimately what we want to do is we want to show people that we can live in a world with peace. And in business, when you look at from a business perspective, Martin, everything I've done, I always approach people as human beings and saying that we can all contribute to a, a, to a goal or, or what we're trying to achieve. Everyone's valued. We might have different skills and roles, but everyone's important. And if we can do that, more frequently, more consistently, 
we're going to get better results. So your personal podcast is about sharing our own personal experiences, Martin, yours and mine. But clearly what we're, what we're hoping is that people walk away with an understanding to say, how do they influence? How do they share? How do they, how do they inspire those around them and themselves and to men, be able to contribute to a better society? And none of us have a monopoly on culture. No. So when you travel, it's a wonderful way to learn about other people's culture whereby you can then begin to respect other people's culture, which might be quite different to your own. You do walk away with a lot does, of learnings. It broadens your horizons. It does. And you know, I must say, I always really enjoy a conversation with someone who's well-travelled because they bring a very rich perspective into the conversation. Not only that, Martin, but they might share something with you yeah. that changes your life forever. Yep, that's true. That one component that they've learned in their travel, all of a sudden the light turns on and thinks, wow, I get it. This is what I could do. So sometimes that conversation with someone who has travelled and experienced and is willing to share their experience sometimes changes our life forever that we never thought we would be doing. Do you think travelling helps us with our own confidence and resilience? There's always growth opportunities, Martin. I think when we travel, we are forced in a situation to be able to communicate with others and that builds confidence, that builds self-confidence and that just also exposes some of the areas that we need to strengthen. But it also shows us where our strengths are. So when we talk about learning through travel and culture, when we talk about what do I bring to the country, it's not just what I want to take, but what do I bring as well? So there's always a two-part two part method here. One, what do I learn? But one, what do I leave? And hopefully they both will, in, will help and inspire and help bring the world closer together. Mim, there are certainly some really profound personal learnings for those that travel. So we encourage you to, even if it means do it in baby steps, is to go out and expand your horizons. And if your kids want to travel, support them, you know. And look for the good things. And look for the good things. Don't go search for the things that are negative because every country – if you look hard enough, you'll find those negatives. Absolutely. But if you go and you look for the positives, you'll be far better off. Why? Because it's only going to improve your life and you're hopefully going to be able to influence someone else's life from a positive perspective. And I think also, if we even look at it from a business perspective, yep. it's going to make you better That's in right. business. Everyone wants to associate with you. Why? Because they can see that your attitude is about learning, growing, building and sharing. Yep. Sharing with an open heart, open mind, and open conversation. Well, on that, Mim, we are, of course, uh, soon about to wind up episode 52 yes, of your are, personal podcast. Today. And the year ahead for 2024. It's going to be an exciting one, Martin. We are. We have mentioned last year that we were going to change it up a bit. What we mean is we're going to really get into some conversations that could be considered a little bit challenging and controversial. But we're going to come from a perspective of a positive perspective. We want better outcomes. We want better ways to be able to deal with situations and maybe confrontations. But we are here to share our thoughts, our experiences, and hopefully get people to get more out of their lives. And, of course, we're also going to be bringing a little bit of a stronger focus towards current global affairs. Yeah, I think it's important. Into our our topics because – 
We've done now 52 foundation topics yes. of your personal podcast starting in mid-January yep. 2023, bringing us right through to mid-January 2024. We're now going to lean into those topics a little bit deeper and we're going to apply some analogies or some current affairs and to see how they marry up yep. with that particular topic, which may, we, we may have addressed through 2023. So... We really hope that, and thank you to our listeners, we want to walk this journey with you and we really hope that we're helping you with your own experience, your own learning, your own confidence, building your own resilience and expanding your horizons. And, and that's why we felt that episode 52 was really good to talk about travel and culture. Perfect. And we are going to introduce in 2024 some video clips, some YouTube clips. We're going to really start to build on what we've already built and hopefully that interaction will enhance our listenership throughout the globe and we encourage everyone to just talk to others. If you believe that this Your Personal Podcast is helping you, share it with others. Subscribe. Tell your friends, your family, your colleagues. We want as many people throughout the globe to be impacted with Your Personal Podcast from a positive perspective. I've got a really important question. Yes, sir. Will the Romeo family be moving beyond 45 countries? Well, they are having more children, so we're expanding the population, so we should be able to cover more countries in years to come. So by the end of 2024, do you think we might get to 60 countries? Absolutely, absolutely. And look... Because you know that the Romeo family are our growth strategy. (laughs) Look, all jokes aside, we know that all our listeners throughout the countries, we value and we appreciate. Please keep listening, please keep sharing, and please keep subscribing. We thank you and we hope you have a wonderful week. Grazie. Grazie tanto. Ciao. Arrivederci. Bravo.